0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, we have good news and bad news. The bad news is that Rice lost to North Texas on Saturday. with basically uh, back up everybody in the game. Uh and uh they finish the season at five wins and are not gonna make the six win threshold that we kind of uh, everyone had kind of set as the bar for this season uh, the good news is they're going to a bowl game anyway,
1: yeah, because that if anything summed up this year in totality, it is that, so nothing makes sense. it's all upside down, and the <laughs> I'll I'll plug this. I I mean I'm working on it right now. There's a bit of a imagine this a nuance when it comes to making a bowl game as a five win team. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts and things going on behind the scenes that I will have hopefully have flushed out on the site later this week for for Patreon subscribers. So there'll be a bit more notes right there. But um, the long and short of it is that yeah, barring something crazy, Rice is going bowling and. I've seen a lot of projections out there from all over the face, all over the place. I guess right now the only ones that are out are uh, Hawaii and the Bahamas have both been claimed. Middle Tennessee is going to Hawaii, and UAB is going to the Bahamas. So wherever Rice goes bowling will be on the mainland.
0: <laughs> and yeah, we've had the tropical vacation <laughs> spots claimed in the USA, but
1: uh, I guess you I didn't would actually love to do. Wins. Yeah, I'd love uh, to do Hawaii, but just. The New Year's or the Christmas Eve, man. Like that's it's fun to watch on TV, but the logistics of actually doing a game in Hawaii on Christmas Eve. Ugh. Yeah, sounds like a lot. So we won't do that. There'll be more a lot of bull stuff. And I think kind of set the table. We have we have a lot of post not postseason, which now we can get that confused. That might that might be nice to, <laughs> to try that out. Uh, but post season kind of debrief and thoughts to get to, and we'll get there. First, we got to get through the North Texas game because I guess that's what we do here. A, and, and B, man, if there was a game that kind of put the entire season into one nice condensed package, I kind of feel like this was actually it. If you showed them if you yep. had to show someone one game that said, what was the 2022 Rice football season like? You could probably just show them this game.
0: Yeah, like, you'd lose some of the actual... Uh, the the important players, uh, and, and I mean that in sort of a, a, a drama sense rather than a specific, like, players-on-the-team sense, but, like, you... the vibes the vibes of this game were essentially the vibes of the season. And it, it's basically like, despite everything, and you can sort of wave your hand at the phrase everything, uh, Rice was in position to win, and they did not
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, I actually, I tweeted this at the time, going through this game, and, and Bloomgren said before the game... Because I asked, I said, you know, at five wins, depending on what happens, you you have a pretty good chance to go to a bowl game. I, you know, in air quotes. Does that count? And he said, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it counts. Like it would be cool that it's on the academic side of Rice that that would push Rice over. He said, but but we want to earn it. So that, that that's what those that were his words. He wanted to earn that sixth win. And I and I tweeted it out fourth quarter. Bryce has kicked the field goal. They're leading seventeen to fourteen. And I said, you know, Bloomgrid said he wanted to earn it. Here's your chance, man. Like that. This is everything that you could have possibly hoped for. Here's your chance to earn it. And they didn't. And that. And and of course. And it's it stinks because it wasn't it, it wasn't quite cut and dry like nothing with this team has been yeah. right it, it wasn't like here's the last drive North Texas goes down and scores a touchdown and it's over it was well Rice gets the ball back they rip off a thirty yard run to get them to the forty yard line and that gets called back by a holding penalty uh, which was uh, not a very uh, if, if Clay Servant held on that play, he did not hold – and I'm not blaming the refs here. But if he held on the plane, it was not enough to make a difference in the play itself. Yeah. So call it bad luck, bad officiating, whatever. It was a bad break that didn't go the Owls' way. And then – so that kind of kills that drive. And then on the next drive, you have A.J. Paget drop – A.J. Paget, fourth string scout team quarterback, who we'll get to in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, drop the snap kind of leaned down to pick it up, and the way that it was explained to Bloomgren was that AJ used the ball to get up, and because of that, he was rolled down. So, uh... I don't think I've ever heard that one before. I, I've never heard that before, and it kind of makes sense. If you're down and you're using the ball to prop yourself up, like... I, you wouldn't be up, you wouldn't be able to get up without the ball. So, like, I get the logic. I've never, never kind of seen that written anywhere. Maybe it yeah, is. I and it's just one of those things that if this were the one game of the year where, like, you have multiple just, like, weird, bad breaks to kind of, man, you lost this one, you'd be like, oh, dang. But it was, you know, the seventh time, maybe. Well, USC was USC, who might be going to playoff with the Heisman winner. So... That game aside, but six other times, so that was that was kind of bizarre and it was it was also kind of bizarre because I thought for the most part for like the totality of the game, this was the best performance we'd seen by offense defense and maybe special teams, excluding some low kicks in better part of I mean shoot the defense played better in this game than they de- did against UTEP and that was the best defensive performance of the past month and a half
0: yeah I mean like you think like the word I would use to describe this performance like maybe as a whole is gutsy and I, I know that word is sometimes sort of damning with faint praise but when you consider Rice playing a scout team quarterback they're down a whole bunch of wide receivers They're they're they've got you know second and third teamers dotted across the, the field. Like, the defense held down a very explosive offense that said true freshman scout team quarterback played really, really well, all things considered. Um Juma was great. Like, they got amazing performances on his first catches of the season
1: from Braylon Walker. Um, so <laughs> and, like, and pause. It, I, I'm, I'm sitting there at the game, and my phone rings, and I look down, and it's you, and all you said was, Braylon Walker.
0: I literally had to go, and I my apologies to 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 uh, Mr. Walker for uh, you know not being entirely familiar <laughs> with Rice's class here, but like I literally did. I was like literally, who is that?
1: And it's fair because so I had I had mentioned in my practice notes from from midweek of practice that Kobe Campbell left practice. Uh, with an injury we all of course had Luke McCaffrey who was questionable ended up not making the trip so they were both down and then Tyson Thompson they basically ended up keeping uh, basically on just punt return duties I don't even think he saw any kick stuff I think it was all punt returns so uh, you know I was talking to the folks before the game and they said Braylon Walker and Giovanni Johnson are going to get onto the field and I said what <laughs> and uh, it happened and lo and behold you know, brief Braylon Walker section of the podcast. So his first pass, his first maybe I think his first collegiate snap because he is not he did not play in a single game before Saturday. His first collegiate snap is third and long, and he hauls in a seventeen yard reception to move the chains. And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, his second uh, reception now is a fifteen yard pass from AJ Padgett to move the chains on third down. And I was like, okay, this guy has just become Captain Clutch. That's pretty cool. His third career reception is a 48-yard touchdown where they lined him up in the backfield on a wheel route, which was just... And I mean, we, deservedly so, have dogged this coaching staff for decisions and, and things that they have done throughout points in this year, but lining up your, what, ninth string, eighth string wide receiver in the backfield on a wheel route because he's freaky fast and nobody has seen him on film before. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant.
0: Like, yeah, it's pretty gutsy. And um, <laughs> but I, I think you, you, you kind of, I don't know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there earlier, because like, I've been trying to figure out how I feel about this game and sort of by extension the whole season because, like, uh, on the one hand, like, this was, like, they were down so many... Go- Again, scout team... Cor- I, I, Like, I don't think you can say the phrase scout team quarterback enough going into this. But, like, despite all of that, as a heavy road underdog, like, they could have won this game. They did so many things well, and then it just fell apart, and they couldn't quite close the deal. And if this had happened if this had been the only time this has happened, if they had been way more consistent the rest of the year, or if this has happened at the be like if this was game three and all this stuff had happened, like a bunch of guys had just gotten hurt and you had to do this for one game and you come out of it with that result, I would have been like, Oh man, I'm so excited for the rest of the season. Like they did this with all the backups and third teamers and stuff. Like, what are they going to do when it's the main guys? But like this same stuff, the same mistakes that led to them, led to this being a disappointing season. It, it it was the same stuff that happened in this. It's the same mistakes and the same frustrating, you know, or the same sorts of mistakes, I guess, that just kept happening over and over and over again. And so the thing that weighs down the, you know, hey, they did pretty well, all things considered part of this game is that the things that they did not do well were like, uh, appear to be kind of systematic issues, you know? Like they just – no matter who was in there, it went <laughs> in the same – it may not have been the exact same notes, but it was the same chords. To,
1: to. Yeah, well, now has uh, you had the fumble on the first drive, this time by Uriah West. So Ari Broussard had the game where he fumbled a couple. Uh Cam Montgomery had the fumble uh, with, last week. Uh, yeah, I believe that's correct. He had that, the the fumble in the as part of the six turnover game. I'm was that correct me? Was that UTSA or Western Kentucky that was six turnovers? It was it was Western Kentucky. So Cam Cam had the fumble in that one, uh, and then you had Uriah West. So you've had your three top running backs, except for Juma, Juma uh, that fumbled in over the course of the past like five four what five weeks like so that. That can't happen. And and you go through, you get the blocked field goal to start the game, which was incredible and awesome and just what you needed. And then you drive down the length of the field and you're knocking on the door of the red zone and you turn it over. And it's just like moments like that where you just, you know, it's a missed opportunity at the time. Like everybody can feel it and you just haven't built up enough wiggle room of the good things to overcome that stuff. And I think, you know, we talked about uh, Franklin Walker. We got to talk about A.J. Paget because I thought the – so the first play of the game, it, they drop a design quarterback run and he scrambles for a first down. And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. And the mix that they had, I thought they – especially in like the first half, the pocket – was never still. They rolled him out a lot. They put him on the move. They showcased his legs. I thought the offensive game plan for this game was really, really, really good. And I think that maybe that's something, you know, bigger picture that I think I've noticed with this staff is sometimes, and they've had games where just the game plan didn't work and they get get shut down and it's over. But... Man, sometimes when they scheme it up right and they have everything like I thought, Houston game was an example where they had like everything they did was right. The the Louisiana game, just even FAU, like the the game plan they put into place. So it's like this is this was perfect. This is what you need to do. Just go execute. And I thought for the most part they did a decent job of executing on those things. But also it comes back to you end the game with 17 points, and this is the third game in a row where they've been under 17, I believe. How many did they end up getting? UTSA and, and, and Western I have to go pull that up. But it, they were not big numbers because of, of the blowouts. And I, I, it's this weird mental dichotomy for me, right? Because in my head, I'm like, yeah, 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 this offense is as is, is good as it's ever been. And then at the same point, I'm looking at box scores, and I'm like, things aren't computing. Because Rice had, I'm looking at it right now, Rice had, I say that, it's loading, 415 total yards in this game. Which is pretty good. They ran for 186 yards. You know, 4.2 a carry, including sacks. You pull out sacks, and it's closer to five-ish. The numbers look pretty good, except for the points. And points is what you score by. They actually had more yards to play in this game: six point three to North Texas is six point one. Yeah, more first yeah. down to North Texas. Like everything, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, help me understand.
0: I mean, I and I looked post game one expectancy in this one for North Texas forty nine percent. So it, it wasn't a maybe not on the scale of the. You know, UAB game going one way or FAU um, going the other way, but like this is this was a game where the 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 score sort of reflected, but like you know it was a close game and either team could have won. Like this actually was a close game that either team could have won, and for all the times that's happened this year, it's it's frustrating that there were so many times and Rice just couldn't
1: couldn't pull it out.
0: Um, This
1: this has to be the closest game to like a median fifty percent outcome on post game win expectancy they've played this year because I think I was looking at it going into I think going into the UTSA game and I think they didn't have any games going into this one that were between uh, I think thirty and seventy percent that sounds like thirty three and sixty six or something like that I think they're they're you know, closest was like sixty-eight or something like that. They really hadn't had a single like true like toss-up yet, and uh, this was the toss-up, and it it did not did not go well, and it it was. I guess it's only fitting that T.J. McMahon does not play in this game, that Luke McCaffrey does not play in this game. Also, kind of a literally a direct linear comparison that when does the offense stop scoring points is when Luke McCaffrey is no longer on the field. Yeah. Which what he does, and and you hear coaches say this, right? Like the players are on the field and how, how the defense has to treat you differently. Uh, You have to treat this offense differently when Luke McCaffrey can get open over the middle whenever he wants. And you saw that the past couple games. Uh, I mean, Braylon Walker is, is really good, and he took advantage of some opportunities, but it's just different, man. And I think another part kind of flipping over to the other side of the ball on this, the defense was better? Question mark? That, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, it, it certainly felt like, the, the, I don't know, the ESPN Plus announcers for this game kept saying, North Texas is the sixth most explosive offense in the country or something like that. They said it like three times a quarter. Um, And I was like, well, you know, given that, Rice is doing pretty well here. Um, So it wasn't, it was far from a perfect defensive performance. I mean, like six yards of play is not, nothing you really like hang your hat on defensively, but like they have certainly looked worse against against worse offenses. At times this year, so like,
1: I think it was just the it was the they've had some some clutch <laughs> defensive games over. I mean the past couple of years, but but what really was painful, I think, in this one is here's here's a stat. Okay, through three quarters, North Texas had 15 carries for 50 yards. They're averaging 3.3 yards per carry. And this is one of the most, like you said, explosive offenses, but one of the best running offenses in conference, you have to say. So 50 yards on 15 carries is, like, terrible. Like, the Rice Rice held up very well against the run. And then you kind of felt it in the fourth quarter. Uh, the fourth quarter alone, 15 carries. So 15 of their 30 carries, 109 yards rushing. In the fourth Ugh. quarter alone, and you kind of felt it with uh, Ragsdale had like a, a big run up the middle, and then I think Johnson had another big run later, both saved by George Nyakwal in the in the center of the field with nobody else. Thank you, George Nyakwal, for everything. Uh, but th- th- I mean, that was kind of it. It was kind of bizarre because when Rice kicked the field goal to go up seventeen to fourteen, I'm like, okay, you have your Scouting quarterback, and you have a makeable field goal that you're going to get, and your defense has been playing pretty well, and your offense at that point, like, you're moving the ball. And so I was like, I, I think this is a pretty good call. Like, taking the points, this is great. Let's do it. And for them to just run down Rice's throat in the final, like, the third to last drive in this game, I was, I was stunned. I just I did not see it coming. And that that's it's it's always something that that breaks. Like I, I don't understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a a frustrating end to a frustrating season.
1: Yeah. So they end five and seven. Again, bowls uh looking pretty 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 at this point, so We will see. They got to go finish up, I guess, conference championship week. And then hopefully Rice will get an invitation and we'll see where they're going. But I guess a couple other, any other big picture, we kind of hit on it, but kind of big picture thoughts on, I guess, the season as a whole, the coaching staff, like the program that we haven't really touched on yet.
0: Um, I don't think so, other than to lead that stuff into kind of talking about this coaching staff and and where things go from here. Um, It's so, like, in a season of I don't really know what to think here other than I'm upset at how confusing it all is, uh, that's kind of where things are with coaching staff right now, because... I don't know. There were times this season when I was so upset, I just wanted everybody to get fired on the spot. And there were times this season when I was like, man, they're doing a really good job with what they have available. And coming into the season, I was like, okay, things are set up here for Rice to make a bowl. And if they do, then that's a good springboard. and You can keep the staff and, and build recruiting and move to the AAC. And if they don't make a bowl, then maybe it's time to make a change. And then you... It's like flipping a coin and having the coin land on the the rim. <laughs> because you you both made and didn't make a bowl and uh, perhaps fittingly there is now uh uncertainty with this coaching staff in two completely diametrically opposed ways so
1: yeah i have so no we'll, idea what to think we we'll start with let's we'll start start with the right side okay so the expectation going into the year was a bowl game. That's pretty well documented, and it was implicit in that expectation that it meant six wins. And Bloomgren, like that's the standard he's calling himself to. I put some of that in the post game piece, but and then in the piece I'm working on right now, and he's like, "Yeah, we we didn't meet expectations. We we under delivered." And He's admitted that, and that was that was public and and I think the. So what with that was like okay if you didn't meet expectations then are are you gone and that's TBD because and I think it's and I want to kind of break this down a little bit because I think it's interesting because you know after conversations I've had with people in the administration and you know the the progression you can say it's not fast enough Bloomberg admitted that from if you take out the COVID year where they went two and three. Uh, Bloom's won two, three, four, and five games in the successive non-COVID seasons. I, I bet you he gets past two because the 2020 team Collins might have been their best team yet. Um, maybe it was close. Uh, yeah, so
0: I, I, I would say with Collins healthy, it almost
1: <clears even throat> was, which he might not have been at the end of the season. You never know. But anyhow, so Bloom's kind of had that progression. So and we've seen this from athletic director Joe Carlgaard that uh he I don't think it's it's fair to say he's not trigger happy. Uh, if he'd wanted a if he wanted a reason to make a coaching change, he could have found it by now. We're recording on Monday evening. Uh, Mike is still the head coach for Fresh University as far as has been, you know, put out anywhere that I'm aware of and, you know, at time of recording. So I think at this point is be it further and further in, then there's a very real outcome where it's, hey, you made a bowl game on a technicality, maybe, but you made it. And so we're going to let you write it out because I think that, and I'm not going to put words in anybody mouth, but I think there's a comfort level with what you've seen from Bloom and the gradual build. And I know that frustrates people. I'm telling you, what I think about how I perceive the administration viewing the football program right now. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. I'm telling you what I, what I understand. And the complicating factor in there is there's a new precedent. And I think that's the most interesting thing of all, because if this was a decision solely in the hands of Joe Carlgaard, I think we might've seen enough right now to say, yeah, I think he gets another year if this was the decision in the hands of a brand new president that has no allegiance, did not hire, did not hire Carl guard. And with what Carl guard's done, I mean, look at women's basketball, Quincy Edmonds, for one soccer, granted uh, are not the high profile uh, money sports, but I think volleyball, volleyball, like some really good hires and athletics are doing really well, except for football. Uh, which I, is the state of Texas? I understand, so uh, I don't know if, if,
0: and baseball, which is its own animal,
1: rise, right? But you know, Jose Cruz Junior. Who knows? So that's a long yeah, way of saying. I mean,
0: let's, let's let's total total aside, but like I, I ha- had this feeling last year in a major <laughs> run over year, how good they had been under Langley with the women's basketball team. I was just like, you know, maybe that kind of success just is, just isn't sustainable with this program because you know things happen at this level and it's insanely hard for people to maintain success and now they're they're doing great so uh, i never A&M,
1: they beat Texas A&M for the first time in 16 years and the fourth time in college station ever yeah and second are year like 6 this. and
0: 0 for the first time in in
1: ever have uh, ever. Yeah, broken history so yeah uh, this is not a women's basketball show but we we want to give some credit shout out Lindsey Evans, and yeah and your team
0: Definitely not going to be down on junior after a first season.
1: So all of that to say, uh, right now, uh, it's it's uncertain and it's unknown. And there hasn't been a vote of confidence given and there hasn't been a, yeah, we're thinking about making a change. All things are on the table given. I reached out for a comment and I was provided no comment to share. So that is what I can tell you about where things are right now. I think – and this is just an interesting exercise that um, I think part of the equation here, right, with the transfer portal and with signing day approaching so quickly is if you make a change now, uh, you basically have to punt on year one of the AAC, like, more or less. Like, yeah, you would love to strike gold and, and go and hire Lance Lightfoot. Or whoever the equivalent is to go yeah. find find group of five magic, uh, and I'm going to tell you that's probably not going to happen. Whoever you think it is, just because winning for a lot is, is hard at Rice, um, but so it's possible. But if you make a change now, you're probably punting year one in the AAC, and I think it's not. I know. I think that maybe there is a. A chance to say well should we roll the dice with our our loaded gun so to speak because the talent is there and the players are there and see what happens in year one the AAC and and then move on and make a change if something happens so it's a lot of ways to say that it's just things feel as peculiar on the coaching front as they did with the football program this season it's a whole lot of I don't know. (laughs) Like, that's kind of where we're at, right?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, and and I I legitimately don't know how my own feelings on this because, and and that the, the move to the AAC is the huge factor here because you, unless the guy that you manage to get just does such a fantastic job of recruiting the portal on his own right, like, you are going to lose a huge chunk of your roster when you make a coaching change in this day and age. You just are. And especially now that there are limited windows for the transfer portal, things are gonna get probably even messier, I would say. Um, just in terms of when you're locked into like when you can not just you know, when guys are coming in and out, but when they're leaving. Um there is a pretty good chance that for a program like Rice, I was an extremely high chance that any time like the first season after any coaching change is probably going to be a really rough one. And you're probably magnifying that times and yes, it's not the AAC of of, you know, two years ago or whatever, but like you're still moving up really in competition level with this AAC and that just magnifies that zero year stuff even more. But yeah. the counterpoint is like, do you do you just say we need to get competitive in the AAC fast? And if we think we might need to make a move a year from now, isn't it better to just rip the band-aid off and start that rebuild now? But then the problem is if you you know, if you're if you're tearing out all the drywall, you don't want to demolish the foundation in the process. So at what it's point?
1: It's complicated.
0: Yeah, it, it's and this is not mm-hmm. like I know there's a big segment of Rice fandom that's really, really frustrated with the program where the program is right now. And this is not me making uh like carrying water for the athletic department or any any perceived lack of of willingness to you know want things to be better than they are. Uh, it's just the like. This is a fanatically complicated situation in terms of if you think a move is necessary, when do you make it? Do you make it now, or do you wait? Do you see how things go for one more year?
1: And and all, like, kind of putting a bow on that to that segment of the Rice fan base, uh, I I believe that if the administration or the president made the decision to fire Mike Bloomberg, it would be justified because there was an expressed goal after five years that he did not meet. So if that's what you want to say, you know, you fell short of X, you didn't make it, then yeah, they have carte blanche. Like that was the standard set. Everyone was aware there was no gray in this. It wasn't met. Uh, So I hear you. Um, also, the part of this calculus that I feel like is missed is who are you going to hire, <laughs> which is part of it. And so, if you can go, you know, go get Ryan Day to come down from Ohio. Well, maybe Ryan Day is at that example right now. Uh, get Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick Saban, etc. cetera. But you see what I'm saying? So, I think that whatever conversations are being had at that level, I think this is part of that math. And if there is a determination made that hey who we think we can get and who fills this spot you know gets us to X faster i think it's going to be made i don't think there's a blind allegiance to bloomgren given the results so far but i think they're going to be pragmatic about it and i think we've seen that just over the totality of this um of carl carlgaard's direction of the athletic department the wild card at the present which we don't know so we'll, we'll see uh, we any changes to or potential changes with the, uh, the coaching staff at Rice, I would certainly expect there'll be some turnover one way or another. As always happens, but the other part of this that makes things interesting is we have to talk about Stanford because uh, I can't say I was surprised because I've heard rumblings of this for some time now, but well. As far as where Bloomgren fits in the Stanford conversation, because I think something that was fairly surprising or at least maybe not totally expected uh, was David Shaw, the head coach at Stanford, 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 Uh, retiring, resigning, stepping down. However you want to say it is no longer the head coach at Stanford after the last game of this season, which opened Stanford, the job to, I guess I would say the masses, but the reality is the tree of people that have experience at the farm, as they say, and kind of understand that culture is really, really, really narrow. So as soon as David Shaw was out of the picture, I think that the short list of names that kind of I had seen floated were, were Derek Mason, former Vanderbilt coach. And I think uh, Dave Clawson at Wake Forest and Mike Bloomgren at Rice. So, how what, what are the odds that Stanford hires a five-win Mike Bloomgren away from Rice to be their head coach? Uh, I think they're not zero.
0: Yeah, I, I, and if you're listening to this and you're and you're just feeling absolutely in, incredulous about it. Um, understand that this is this is because of Stanford being what it is. Um and the peculiarities of being at that school and in that program and the things that they want out of athletics. Like if you're if you're used to thinking of and especially if you haven't paid attention to Stanford over the way over the last couple of years and the way things have gone kind of gone downhill for them. Um and you're still thinking of it as the like Uh, you know, what they were like when bloomgrim was there. um, It is not that. And that window of of success that they had and the way they were able to achieve that success, that is threading the tiniest of possible needles. Um, And if you're thinking that they are hiring with threading that needle again, like that that is something that is likely to happen, that they're going to go get a coach that's sort of commensurate with that level of success. That is probably not going to be a case, the case here. Like, frankly, I think getting Dave Clawson would be a massive coup for them given the situation he has at way Forest. So So um, this is, I, I, I realize if you if it's devoid of context that Stanford hiring five win rice coach, just because he was their offensive coordinator a couple of years ago, seems crazy, but it, and to be honest, it is a little crazy, but it's not nearly as crazy as it sounds.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, and I'm, I'm not reporting this. I'm relaying information that has been reported by others. I, I couldn't yeah. tell you how. Um, I'm not going to report anything until I know something. on that front, but I couldn't tell you like how, if what if is a one percent or a twenty percent or a forty. I, I, I don't know, but I, I think you know. I think it's notable that he's on the list and I couldn't have not envisioned a scenario where a sizable portion of the Rice fan base wants their coach out. And at the same time, a PAC 12 school wants to hire him and make, you know, or is at least considering it like, it's just, is that not just the perfect rice way to end this season of complete ridiculousness? Because, you know, going into this year, I think there have been rumblings that, you know, hey, if Bloomgren puts together a good year here, maybe this is the stepping stone to Stanford whenever David Shaw retires. And then David Shaw retires and Bloomgren has not put together a good year. What do you do now? Like, had Bloomgren won two, game, two more games this year, uh, you know, Charlotte and North Texas, would this be a foregone conclusion that he was going to be the head coach at Stanford? Like, I don't know. And if that's the case, are two games enough for you to make that decision as an administration? I don't know. It's just, it's all weird, and we just bigger, mo- we-
0: bigger money jobs in this in this sport have turned on less.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hugh Freeze is now a head coach again in the SEC. So, oh, God. who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's a different tangent, but. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, we just wanted to relay it because that's kind of where things are at. And if everything seems unsettled, it's because Rice is going to a bowl. Probably Rice is retaining their head coach. Probably unless he possibly leaves for another more well-paying coaching job on the West Coast. Possibly. Uh, it's weird, man. And that's been the season. Like. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. and you know, We don't know, but. We're here to suffer through it or uh, commiserate through it with you. We celebrated. Do you remember those really good games back in like September and October when everything was great? That was fun. I would like of yeah. those.
0: Yeah, we yeah. had some of the highest highs this season that we've had uh, in this in this run since we've been going now. Uh, this is uh, episode 135, as Matt informed me before we started recording, which is crazy. Uh, but we also had some pretty low lows this season, uh, certainly relative to expectations. So um, I almost wished I had cut the recording right there when you said uh, it doesn't make sense and we don't know. <laughs> but uh, that is a pretty good summation. So um, I guess we'll leave it there because we have a couple more things for you before. Uh, certainly we, we, we will be back to talk about Rice's uh, assumed bowl game here. Um uh, we got the Roosties coming up. We'll have uh talk about signing day uh, and then uh, presumably a report on a bold game. So uh, this is the end of the regular season, but uh, we still got some some content coming your way before we get into the, the real off season. So um, we'll be back to keep keep working through this bizarre, confusing season with you. Uh, we and we hope you stick around with us. So uh, we'll see you then in a nice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.